www.worshipministrycatalyst.com Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members, serving as a catalyst to facilitate worship in the local church. here for for our listeners you know maybe maybe a little bit of double rainbow just rubbed off on us double rainbow whatever that guy was double smoking rainbow was. across the sky yeah. it's a catchy tune it actually was yeah. so there's this youtube video uh i guess the original video we actually talked about it last week in our episode the original we? uh we did the original video i think we did now you got me doubting. I'm pretty sure you mentioned it. There's this video of some guy like just tripped out. He saw his he saw his double rainbow all the way, all the way, and I think he was like I don't know high or something because he just freaked out when he saw the double rainbow. Just like got so excited, started crying. Yeah, he was just like, it's it's a full on double rainbow all the way. Oh, oh my gosh, it's so intense. All the way, wow. Um, and so, so these these uh, high school kids took that video, and they like we're college could be college college. Sorry, I shouldn't limit them. Yeah, they had a lot of time on their hands, yes. regardless. And they they put the whole the whole video to auto tune, and uh, they came up the and uh, they got this really really catchy. It was a really catchy little melody, and we were just listening to it. Selling so. the song on iTunes. Yeah, I bet they made some money off of that because I've heard so. a lot of people buy it. Double rainbow. That's what we need to start doing. You know, yeah, you find there, YouTube videos and make songs out of there's them. There's a good way to make some extra money, mm-hmm. right? If you're short on cash, just spend some time auto tuning popular videos. So. You know what's sad is that will become like that will become like some kind of business model for somebody. Remember, like the eBay thing was real, like that was a big business model a while ago to like buy mm-hmm. stuff on eBay and resell it. I, I know people who still do that. Okay. Well, people are still doing Somebody it. Somebody who goes to your church. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll to ask you who it is after. Yeah. they. Uh, I mean, make good money doing it too. No way. Yeah, I don't know where, I don't know where they, where she ships most of the stuff to. India. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm talking like between like 900 and 1500 bucks a month. No way. Yeah. That, that she's netting or grossing. 
Um, I don't know. She goes to like she goes to the dig bins, the Goodwill dig bins. So wow. And so she's buying like you know clothes by the pound. By and then, and then selling, selling them, them for a eBay. huge profit on eBay. Wow, that just seems like a lot of work. Although I, I guess if that's your job. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, you go get a pair of pants for twenty cents, and then you sell them for like five bucks. Yeah, if even two or three dollars, you make a hundred percent profit. You know, it's pretty. Hello, good. yeah, man. Yeah, that, that's that's great. Well, that's I, that's like a thousand percent profit, actually. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Two dollars yeah. off twenty cents. That's a thousand. Yeah. So there you go. It is a good business model if you can actually do it and and like be successful and work within the system well. You know. It's too frustrating for me. No, I know, because the hard thing is, like, I mean, you got to find the good deals, and then you're only making, like, a few bucks. Um, I don't know. I I guess if you're really diligent. But what are some other get-rich-quick schemes, David? Yeah, Amway. um, Doing surveys online? Yeah. I remember. Tony Robbins. What? <laughs> no, I guess not. I remember there, there, rich, there was a season uh, before before Melanie um, uh, had her current job. Um, she was working full time as a kindergarten teacher, uh, but she was working all the way in downtown Portland, having to commute like forty five minutes one way. You know, so it was like an hour and a half in traffic. You know, which which by the way, if you're a commuter. Um, you know, there's nothing worse. Like I, I would rather drive 45 minutes straight, like just solid, like like open freeways, driving to Salem. You know, you you can make it to Salem in about an hour. I would rather drive to Salem on clear freeways, going 60, 65 the whole way, than be stuck in traffic for an hour trying to get like 10 miles. To me, there's nothing more aggravating than trying to get like from from East Portland. All the way to West Portland, taking 84 during rush hour. Mm-hmm. I mean that, that that's just like the ultimate. That's like the outer ring of hell, you know. That that, that I don't know. It, maybe it's just me, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely frustrating. If you're so, if you're a commuter, I totally feel for you. Um, I I had to do a little bit of commuting when I was uh living in uh Vancouver and working at Multnomah during the summer, so I'd have to take 205. Every every day during rush hour, so I have a special place for all you commuters. Well, and you commuted to Laurelwood from Troutdale, but it wasn't traffic, so I didn't mind. Oh, yeah, there was never any traffic, so even like I I drove from Troutdale to Vancouver, Washington, which on paper sounds really far. You know, I mean, we're talking like it, it's it's a whole different state, and you had to like literally you know go all the way around because there isn't a bridge that connects you know where we were. Um, but I didn't mind because there was no traffic, so I could just fly down the freeway. Right. Yeah. That's like, you know, when I was when I first started working here, I tr- I commuted from Longview down to here. It was uh, like an hour hour each way. Yeah, but w- and it was fine once I got through all the traffic. Like, uh, and you know, I would I would be traffic free until I got down, you know, to to Vancouver really but then a lot of times I'd get stuck in traffic all the way until I got to 14 to get out here Ah. but then I could get you know go from 14 all the way to 205 but then I get stuck in the rush hour traffic on the way home then it finally clear up you know about Woodland or whatever but yeah see it can be very it can be tense it can be uh, stressful it can yeah being stuck in traffic commuting in traffic is really rough so uh, so if you're out there right now if you're listening to us in traffic I hope we don't make you wreck no, give no. yourself a little honk on the horn. 
So the whole point I was making, Rolling sorry, the windows. I, I, I'm play double rainbow. <laughs> the whole point I was making, Melanie was working as a kindergarten teacher, commuting, and wasn't terribly happy with her job. We were looking at having kids. So this is like four, four and a half years ago. Um, I, I don't know if I started Laurelwood, working at Laurelwood yet. We wanted to have kids. We didn't. We didn't want her working there and having to commute while being, you know, pregnant or or having kids or whatever. And so we're like, how can we make money? And so we started doing all these like Google searches on how you know, how to make money, like quick, you know, get rich quick schemes. I'm not real, not real like get rich quick schemes. Yeah, not quick, but I mean, get rich online <laughs> some way. You know? Yeah. And one of the biggest things was surveys, like doing online surveys. You know, they're like, paid to do a survey at home, you know, uh, $100 for a 20-minute survey. We're like, wow, that could really add up. Um, let me tell you, people, it is not what it sounds like. You know, when when they say you can get like 100 bucks for doing a 20-minute survey or they talk about making up to $1,000 a week or whatever, um, that just doesn't happen. Well, you have to subscribe to like twelve magazines to even get the hundred bucks in the first place, right? <laughs> well, that's some of them, uh, but most of what the surveys are, they're they're like these survey companies, and they are. They're, there's legitimate survey companies out there, and they'll pay you like two or three dollars for doing, you know, um, they'll pay you two or three dollars for doing like a uh, like a twenty minute survey. And, and uh, then, you know, they'll enter you into a drawing to win, you know, up to like $100 or $1,000. And, and, and that's where the that's where that, you know, earn up to whatever, $100 for doing a survey. Right. But the thing is, you have to actually qualify for the surveys. So we sat down and we signed up Melanie for all these like survey companies and we had her all ready to go. And so we're, you know, we're waiting and, and then they like send you an email. You, you know, you've been invited to, um, to do a screening question for the survey. And nine times out of 10, she didn't qualify for the survey because she was the wrong age group right. or they were looking for a different demographic. Or, or someone with kids or someone without kids. Or, yeah. You know, so you have to like first qualify to get the survey. Married. And then when you do qualify, you're making like three or four bucks at most. Yeah. And maybe you get, you know, maybe you get lucky. Maybe you're one of those lucky few who actually win the drawing to get $100. But anyway. Yeah. My get, wife has done, done Yeah. Get rich quick schemes do not often work. She's gotten a couple of cool things though. Yeah, yeah. Like she, uh, she got a uh, as a, a free Harmony One remote control. No you know, way. like the two hundred and fifty dollar universal remote. Wow, like like one of the kinds you can program yeah. and it's like super smart. Yeah, you hook it up to your computer and you you know you can what it's got like every single device that can be controlled by a remote control ever. Wow, and it's database and so well maybe not ever but like so can you close. can you so you use that one remote for all your stuff? Yep, and it works. Yeah. Wow. It's very, very handy. No kidding. But, yeah, she got that for free somehow. I don't know. I can't remember how she did it, but it's like, hey, cool. Yeah, I works. wanted one, but there's no way I was going to pay 250 bucks for that. Well, for sure. Yeah, so. Nice. Nice job. I can't get that song out of my head. Double rainbow across the sky. You know what? I bet they'll get, like, on, like, Letterman or something. I hope. Or, like, Ellen or, you know, some show something. like that where they. I they, mean, that, they deserve it. That's kind of cool. It is. It's catchy, isn't it? Yeah. When you think about, you know, just a bunch of, you know, average college students just getting together and making some music and on auto tune, nonetheless, and their, their video that they made has had like 
six or eight or ten million <laughs> views and you know how many times their song's been downloaded who oh, knows and, you funny know. hey so there there's a good there's a good eye on discussion you know making catchy songs i mean we we were talking about that uh for a while with the paul balash god songs um but i think that devil rainbow great example of taking something memorable something that's pretty hooky uh he's got a great hook uh the melody sticks in your head and the chord progression was very simple, right? I, I, it was just like, I think it started like on the four chord, went to the uh, one chord. Um, then there was like a six minor there when it, when it repeated the, the double rainbow part. Anyway, very simple. Sounded really catchy. Yeah, I like it. Like the chorus was like um, six, four, one, five, you know. Something simple. Like Something yeah. simple. So, yeah, catchy catchy made him some money so as you're writing songs folks catchy oh here's a question here we go here's what we're talking about you ready um how do you as a musician as a songwriter as someone who likes music or works with music or you know writes music maybe how do you avoid being too simple because i'll tell you what uh like from a creative standpoint um, I'm not always the most creative person. I need people to help me be creative, you know. Um, so, like, when I'm writing music, uh, I'm I'm constantly fighting this, like, this this battle within me. Because uh, I'm, like, I, I, I'm, like, every song just sounds the same because I can't get away from, like, you know, uh, one, you know, one, four, six, five, you know. I, I can't get away from those chord progressions. So what's the balance between being simple and being creative and not writing music that's too much to sing? Because you don't want every song you write to sound the same. Yeah. Although I'm coming to think that it's actually not as important as we make it out to be. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, I mean, it still bothers me to listen to music. It's all the same. But I think for the most part, like, you know, 80% of people don't care all that much. Don't care. I mean, I think they care and, you know, they like the music that they like and stuff like that. But I think for the most part, it's it's about the words and, and a catchy melody and stuff like that. So, but I don't know. I know my experience. Uh, what I, all I know is that, um, you know, songs that I've written that I, that don't sound like, you know, most stuff that's out there that have some, some nice, cool harmonic thing to them are actually, I think they tend to be songs that people like less mm. than my songs that are pretty straightforward and simple. Simple. So, you know, I still like doing the complex songs because yeah. I enjoy it, but I don't know that, you know, it's... As a, yeah, well, and, that, and that's, the, that's the hard thing, right? Like, as musicians, you know, we, we like to, you know, do the cool things and the hits and, and the... Well, well, here's the thing, you know, simple music, it's easier to have a powerful melody over simple music than it is over complex harmonic music, you know? So, like, and that's, and that's what people catch anyway. That's what people sing in their cars that, you know, that's what people are going to remember is the melody, and so... You know, if your if your goal is to is to get something in people's heads and get the you know like that song, you you do everything simple and have a catchy melody, and and that's all you need to do. You know, and that's mm. that's that's the key to I think probably, you know, every catchy song is is the catchy melody to it. You know, 
But when you try and do something that's harmonically challenging and difficult and stretching, you you really cut out a lot of a lot of the uh, things you can do melodically that people are used to when you start switching between keys and doing stuff out of keys and you have to throw in notes that that people aren't used to singing when they're singing other songs you know it really starts to mess with people well and if you look at like on the ccli top you know whatever the top 100 you know they they publish it every quarter Uh, i mean the the top 10 songs are all really simple songs you know like how great is our God? Um, uh, mighty to say, blessed be your name. Like they all have, you know, they all have really straightforward melodies um, that that I think are are pretty memorable. You know, uh, say, you know, it's like, you know, Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. You know, like it, it, it's it's not terribly complicated rhythmically, melodically. Well, that's and that's the thing, you know, finding that hook, both both um musically and with the message you know like like if you can find that hook that the people will connect with and even if that's the only thing they connect with if it's the hook of the song then you've got to get yourself a winner you know yeah. like your grace is enough like mm-hmm. you know people people can connect yeah your grace is enough your grace is enough that's all i need is you know your grace is enough we're mighty to save our god is mighty to save you know he can move mountains he's mighty to save yeah you know, or like simple, how great is our God? A, yeah, you know? sing with me. How great is our God? Mm-hmm. All right, simple it is. It's funny you should say that. I uh, I recently read this book called Simple Church. Um, I don't know if you've read it or heard of it. I've heard of it. Um, re- really good book. I mean, it's it's basically a book that is exactly that. Simple Church. You know, it's the idea that um, everything. You know, our society is so bombarded with just tons of stuff. You know, visual things. Um, that people almost in a way crave for the like Google, you know, just a, a white background with the word Google on it. You know, I mean, it's it's simple. Um, yeah, I was reading I was reading an article just this morning. Uh, it was actually from a, a Catholic priest or I don't know what he was, but he has a, a website. It's Catholic something or other. He runs some kind of Catholic something. He does something. Sorry, in- I, I'm not that familiar with with what he was, but. Um, <laughs> But but he was talking about you know well his thing was um, the title of the article was something like like ways to uh, ruin a worship service or something like that and one of the one of the things he said is to is to change the order of worship every week you know like have it, have everything different every single week hmm. and and his explanation was just that is because people's people's lives are so complex and they've got so much busyness and so so many things pulling them every which direction that when they come to church, they want to connect with an eternal God. Yeah. They don't want to connect with, you know, your cool idea of worship for that weekend, you know? So, so like, you know, completely changing the order of worship every weekend might not actually be a good idea. Like we've have been maybe taught to believe over the last 10 mm. or 15 years of worship, maybe, maybe keeping most of the stuff the same. So there is some predictability, but throwing in, throwing a, you know, throw a curveball every once in a while, Hmm. But you know, but for the most part, let people let people predict what's coming, and and let them give them time and and room and space to connect with God, not with your cool worship idea. Hmm. So you know, interesting. I thought it was actually a pretty a pretty good point that that he made. And yeah, that that's a different take. I mean, because typically I, I try to you know I try to keep things fresh, mix it up. Um, I mean, that's just a different different perspective on it. But I mean the the point being I and I think it's a good point. 
that people are hungry for simple things mm-hmm. we we have just a lot um and, and perhaps i know we've talked about it a couple times david um perhaps that that is the ultimate was the ultimate demise of myspace you know just big flashy over the top you know tons of ads i mean mm-hmm. you know sometimes obnoxious ads uh, you know, like everyone with the backdrops and the music. And then here comes Facebook, just a simple white mm-hmm. background. You, you type in, you know, uh, you, you type in your status. I mean, um, you, you know, you, you you post something on a wall. It's like, boom, it's over. Well, yeah, and the world has figured it out. But for some reason, we haven't figured it out in our churches, you know, <laughs> like like the world has figured out that you want simplicity so that people are drawn to the content on your site, right? Mm. The world has figured out that people don't want to be fishing through a hundred thousand ads to find, you to know, find the one. to connect with their friend on Facebook. They they want to connect with their friend on Facebook. Right. They want to be know. able to type the person's name up and see the <laughs> autofill, you know, right. come in and oh, there there they are. Yeah, or you know, like with Google, you know, when they're searching for something, they they want to be able to find it quickly. They don't want to. Ha- they don't want. You don't want to do a search. You know, this used to happen a lot. You know, back when with pop-ups and stuff you like you do a search and like you click on one website and all of a sudden like 12 billion boxes would pop up and like cover your screen like you're like give me a break you know it's like i don't i don't need all these drugs i don't need you know this or that i just i'm just trying to find this one thing you know and so like but i think you know the church we've kind of we kind of want to do the same thing you know at least at times we want to you know complexify things and 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 draw people's attention this way and that way and and you know do do this is one of the things i've always fought actually in worship services is people want to do so many things in worship services you know like like they want to do you want to do a, a presentation to get people to come out for this wait well, let's do it in the worship service you know you know any right. any little thing well because it's just it's the biggest venue of every church is the worship service. Right, that's the place there. where everyone is all together at the same time. If you if you want people to hear your message, if you want people to hear your announcement, you want people to hear whatever, you do it in the worship service. Well, well, you know, you do that too much, and and you're doing the same thing that MySpace is doing. You're you're throwing up all these ads and flashiness and and taking people's you know uh, focus away from the actual reason they're there, which is to connect with an eternal God. So, right. And the main point of the book, Simple Church, was, you know, saying that they they had found a correlation between growing, healthy, thriving churches um, versus kind of stagnant churches at plateau. And the correlation was um, they found more often than not the growing, thriving ones had a, a very simple mission statement. Um, they they had a very simple process to bring their people through uh, their mission statement, um, and and that everyone understood what it was, you know, and you know, so our our churches, uh, Laurelwood, you know, we tried to adopt some of that, you know, we we used to have this really long obnoxious vision statement, you know, it's like. Um, you know, our vision is to reach East Clark County, you know, and every member through all avenues with da 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 da. You know, we are, we are going to employ uh, ministries of the word and we're going to work, you know, it's like this. And discipleship and the Ten Commandments. Right, right. Like, it's like all, all these things. And you, you go into. Melchizedek's second cousin. Right, right. <laughs> right. And you, you know, you walk into someone in Laurelwood, you know, if you were to, to say, hey, what's their, what's our vision statement? They're like, we, vision statement? We have one? You know, it's like, I mean, because it, it was too big to put anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think we tried to fit it on a water bottle, um, you know, barely fit on that thing. <laughs> so um, makes me laugh. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but that's that's yeah, that's classic, right so, there. So anyway, you know, we, we've simplified it now to to just you know loving God, loving others, making disciples, which you know, and now we're we're communicating that, and 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 I think you know this all goes back to simple, and when we do music, when we do church. Um, you know, what, what can we do that is going to connect people to God um, in, in a real way, in a simple way? Uh, because I, I think people are, they're, they're hungry for, like you were saying, David, they're, they're hungry to just meet God, to just encounter him. Well, and they're hungry for, for unique or, or fresh perspectives or fresh ways or different ways to connect with God. I mean, and it's happened, you've seen it happen so many times in the church that, that something new and fresh will come out like the prayer of Jabez and, and like, <laughs> and it's new to people and they yeah. hadn't, you know, they hadn't really thought about it. That. And so like everybody just gets enamored oh, with the prayer of Jabez. Indeed. Right. right. You know? And so, or, you know, you know, whatever the next thing was, you know, or the thing before that was like experiencing God. So like, you know, so pe- everyone wants to go through the book. And then experiencing it was 40 God. days of yeah. purpose. 40 days that, of purpose. Yeah. And then, you know, you know, people, people are looking for these unique perspectives or unique ways or, or different ways of looking at God or connecting with God than what they've done. And, and as soon as, as soon as one comes out, then, then everyone jumps on it and does it, you know, and the same thing is true with, I think a lot of worship music actually drives the movement of Christianity. And so, so when, when somebody like Chris Tomlin comes out with a song, like how great is our God and thousands of people instantly connect with it, well, then everyone wants to connect with it. And, mm. and, and so then, so then that drives, you know, then, then people start writing books about how great is our God and, you know, it starts, you know, it, it turns into all these other things and websites and, and blogs. Well, you know, I, I, I think what happens though sometimes, David, is you, you get, you get a song that meets a need, like, like it, it fills a gap. Um, and I remember when I went to that conference a couple of years ago, Brian Dirksen was there and he was talking about writing songs and how you want to write songs that, that fit a gap, you know, that, that bridge a gap, um, that meet a need and um you know and i think that's what chris tom would do with some of those songs you know and and i think now that you know that need probably isn't the same is is different and, and there there will come along other songs that meet that need and you know it's just the right song at the right time and i know i've talked about i i've said this before but like revelation song which um you know, I think it's a phenomenal song. I, I love the song. We've done it at Laurelwood. People really respond and connect to it. But, you know, you realize that song was written like eight years ago. And, and just now in the last year and a half, it's really connected with people because it, it's like, I don't know, this is just the right season. It's the right time. It, it, fit, it filled a need for people. Well, yeah, and, and there's so much to Christianity. There's, I mean, there, it's so rich and deep in its ideas. Yeah. And, and so much of our music, and don't get me wrong, I'm very, I'm very thankful and in love with grace. I'm very thankful <laughs> and in love with Jesus, you know, crucifixion on the cross. Good, good. Those are good things. Those are phenomenal things. <laughs> Yay. But there are more things to write songs about than those two things. No. You know what I mean? Don't say it. And like, and finally, you know, over the I last couple of years, um, we've gotten a few new songs about the resurrection. Yeah. Which is equally important in terms of of Christianity, you know. If Jesus isn't isn't risen from the dead, then right. there's no point. Yeah, or 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 dare we say, perhaps maybe his resurrection is perhaps even more important yeah. than the death. And I so, mean, because that you know, because Catholics, I mean, Catholics all you know, I mean, they they all love the death too, but they don't focus as much on the resurrection. And I think that's 
You know, like, like that Tim Hughes song, Happy Day. I mean, the greatest day in history. Mm-hmm. Death was beaten. You rescued me. You know, shout it out. Jesus is alive. I, I love that line. Yeah, and like uh, Christ is Risen, Jeremy Riddle, I think, yeah. just came out, you know, not too long ago. And then yeah. actually Mike Conholtz is coming out with a new song called Christ is Risen. Oh, Different sweet. song, same title. But it's sweet. like, yeah, we're starting to get some focus now on the resurrection, which is a very good thing. But but even aside from those three things, you know, grace, crucifixion, resurrection, there's a lot about Christianity that is deep, that is good, that's worthy of having, you know, of a song and that people will connect with and that I'm just waiting, you know, I'm just waiting for those songs. Those are the songs that I'm that I'm anxious for, you know, I'm, I'm anxious for somebody to write a real powerful song about community mm. or a real powerful song about connecting with, you know, loving, loving each other, you know, something like that. Something that's not, that's not a Bill Gaither song, but like something, you know, that, that we can connect with or, you know, right. songs that, songs that, that are going to speak to, to a need like, you know, it's the, about evangelism. You know, I don't know if you remember this, but back in the day, there were some songs that, that were really powerful that got everyone motivated about evangelism, like carry the torch and each one reach one. And like the, to love the Lord, our God is the heartbeat of our mission or something like, you know, just all these songs that like got people fired up about going out and doing ministry or going out and, and reaching people for Christ. And, and, and those songs have kind of fallen away. And so, you know, mm. there's a few of them out, you know, but, uh, but it's, for the most part, we all we all kind of, and I I confess I do the exact same thing. We we get in this little tiny circle of of content of of God's love, God's love, God's grace, crucifixion, resurrection. Right. And there's so much more. There is. So, anyway, that was a rant there. No, that was good. Good stuff. But hey, we're done. We're out of time. Yeah. You can uh, find us online www.worshipministrycatalyst.com. You can send us an email to davidworshipministrycatalyst.com or kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. And you can join our directory of worship leaders, worship team members around the world. Go to worshipministrycatalyst.com and click on network. And there's a link right there to submit your information. We don't make any money. We just want to help you connect with worship leaders around the world in your area. So yep. take care. We'll have, uh, we'll have a good day. Hopefully you'll have a good week. Yeah. And we'll see you again <clears throat> soon. All right. Bye-bye. Episode 74 in the camera.